people will, you know, go on a big shred or a big diet or whatever you'd like to call it for the months. It's basically since Christmas for most people. As soon as Christmas, New Year's over, you know, Mardi Gras lands around end of Feb, start of March. They've got about two months to to transform their body. People in the LGBTQIA plus community, they all have their unique pressures within their own community. I feel like 100% being a lesbian, I have this pressure to maybe dress and act a certain way. A very large faucet of the queer community is kind of enforcing these standards that we didn't even come up with because we don't even like them. They're not for us. This is a special episode of Butterfly Let's Talk. I'm Sam Eichen and I'm really happy that you're here. We're recording this in the lead-up to Sydney's Mardi Gras Pride celebration for 2023. Every year, Mardi Gras is a time of joy and celebration for the LGBTIQ plus community, but it can also bring with it a heightened sense of anxiety and negative body image for many people. In this episode, we'll delve into the unique challenges faced by members of the LGBTIQ plus community and the impact that it has on their mental health and well-being. These uh, Mardi Gras prep diets or, or, or that kind of thing come from a place of hate. They come from a place of like, oh, I hate myself. I hate the way that that looks. I got, you know, all that kind of stuff. Whereas Mardi Gras is a celebration of love, <laughs> celebration of pride. Like it's a celebration of all of these positive things and you're doing all of this hate going into it. It just doesn't, it's so um, backward to me. Before we go down that path, let's talk about the significance of Mardi Gras. Peter Murphy was at the very first Mardi Gras back in 1978. He proudly calls himself a 78er. A 78er is a person who took part in the uh, first, uh, what we would now call the uh, Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras uh, in, on June 24, 1978, or in the subsequent uh, protest that flowed from the mass arrest that took place that night in King's Cross. So there was, uh, you know, more people arrested at the court the following Monday and then at a protest rally on July 15, a few more. And then on, I think, August 27, um, there was over 100 people, 104 people were arrested in Taylor Square. These protests left a significant mark, not just on the country, but also on Peter Murphy himself, quite physically. After he was arrested, Peter says he was beaten unmercifully by the police in the police station. It was just for being a gay man and not behaving or looking like what a stereotypical man should look like or be. It was an unprovoked attack and it left him with concussion, extensive bruising and psychological issues that he now knows are post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. So, um, yeah, I was very, very badly injured by the police. Um as I said, it took a few years to recover. The people, you know, my friends who helped organise the second and third Mardi Gras, I, I really admire them because especially 1979 was a hard job, really hard job, yeah. and they did it. I know this might feel a little bit off topic when we're talking about body image and eating disorders, but Peter's story highlights the importance of Mardi Gras for the LGBTIQ plus community. Really, it was his a sort of turning point for Sydney and Australia, I think. Um, but uh, basically, it took till 1984, so six more years before uh, homosexual acts between adult males consenting acts were decriminalised. Um, that was a very important psychological victory um, 
real social victory. And uh, from then on, there was a long series of improvements to the law or reforms of the law to stop discrimination against LGBTQ people um, in all sorts of workplace and health sector and, um, you know, marriage and all, all of these uh, other aspects of life where there was discrimination. Yeah. So, yeah, people wow. look back on 78. It wasn't really the start of the struggle, but it was a turning point in the struggle. Peter Murphy was attacked for who he was and what he looked like four and a half decades ago. Today, his community is still affected by homophobia, transphobia, discrimination and bullying, not just from broader society, but sometimes from friends and family members. And this can all lead to mental distress, body image issues and eating disorders. This could explain why LGBTIQ plus people experience more eating disorders than the rest of us. They have more severe eating disorder symptoms. And the period of time between the onset of the disorder and them finding treatment is much longer than that of their heterosexual or cisgender counterparts. And not only are there external pressures on LGBTIQA plus people, but there are internal community pressures to act and look a certain way also. I definitely felt the pressure. This is Matt, also known as All Right Hey. He describes himself as Australia's biggest glamazon online. I have no preferred pronouns and I'm a digital creator slash DJ slash ex-drag queen slash I've done it all, doll. Check the resume. My journey with body image has been a roller coaster ride, as it is for most people, no matter what kind of community you're in. I was kind of like taught uh, from a young age that like fat, fat wasn't okay. And so I spent the majority of my first uh, 24, 25 years of life trying to lose weight or trying to be a certain size or trying to be, uh, you know, smashing myself in the gym, trying to eat healthy, all the rest of that sort of stuff. And then thankfully, um, I say thankfully, but during the pandemic, which we we aren't thankful for, but in the pandemic, um, I kind of had a reality check where I kind of looked at my life and, and it seemed like everybody, no matter whether you were the, uh, the average person or a celebrity, remember all the celebrities who were making those stupid videos, like we're all in this together, you know, and we're, we're all the same at the end of the day. Yeah. Which of course was hilarious because we were all like, please um, check your privilege. But in the same sense, uh, I, I kind of felt that, like I felt like this is happening to the entire world and we all, we are all in the same boat. And at the end of the day, we all still have the same struggles. And no matter who you were during that pandemic, like you kind of, it kind of changed your life in one way or another. And the way that it changed mine is I <clears throat> really got to look inside myself in some ways and have a confronting conversation with myself around my body image. In earlier episodes, we've discussed how eating disorders and body image issues are overrepresented in the LGBTIQ plus community. Well, Matt says that when it comes to Mardi Gras and other big events, the pressure can be ramped up even more. And people will, you know, go on a big shred or a big diet or whatever you'd like to call it for the months. It's basically since Christmas for most people. As soon as Christmas, New Year's over, you know, Mardi Gras lands around end of Feb, start of March. They've got about two months to to transform their body. As I said earlier, I felt that pressure, but I also believe, in my opinion, it's never a conscious pressure. It's always been a subconscious pressure for me. So when I'm in that moment feeling that, in quotations, pressure, 
I am not consciously thinking of it. And so it's not until I've removed myself from that situation and looked back and thought, oh, I was definitely pressured by everything. But it's not like I was standing there in the club saying to myself, I need to be a certain size, otherwise men won't love me. Never said that, but it was just like an over overarching subconscious thought. People in the LGBTQIA plus community, they all have their unique pressures within their own community. I feel like 100% being a lesbian, I have this pressure to maybe dress and act a certain way. And I do feel like, you know, in the lead up to Mardi Gras at the moment, I have a lot of gay friends that are shredding at the moment. And I'm like, you don't need to change your body to fit into this stereotypical, like, look for Mardi Gras. Just show up for you. So I think, yeah, I'm, I'm not the only one in this space. The person we're hearing from now is Alira Potter, and I'll let her introduce herself. I'm a proud Yoda Yoda woman. I am a pretty multifaceted human. I'm an author, a podcaster. I do content creation on social media. You know what? I'm even forgetting what I do. Like lots of things. I do lots of cool things. <laughs> I guess if we're talking about the journey itself, I feel like it probably started in high school. I was really severely bullied for always being that larger kid, um, having dark skin, being Indigenous. I was really bullied. And it wasn't until I sort of left high school that I formed such thick skin and such resilience that I had to really sort of own who I was and be okay with my identity. And I guess in my 20s, if you follow me on social media, you know that I was married really young and I got divorced at 26. And that's when I guess my journey got even bigger because I became single. I started dating women. I realized that I was gay. I just really started to unpack who I was becoming and the person that I wanted to become as well too. And I think, you know, self-love and body image for me, it's not this linear journey. There's going to be good days for my body and there's going to be bad days for my body. Alira sees Mardi Gras as a great opportunity for her to express a side of herself that most people don't see. So this is actually going to be my first ever Mardi Gras, which I'm wow. like really excited about. So it's it's exciting because I can sort of wear something that maybe I would never wear and I get to sort of step out of my comfort zone and I know that I'm going to be in a safe space when I do wear what I want to wear. What What is it? What do you want to wear? Oh, I sent a picture um, to the designer who's designing my outfit. And I was like, I literally just want to wear like a bra and like some cute shorts. And I want to be covered in like glitter and feathers. Like I want it like just really cool and out there. And she's like, this is so far from what you would normally wear. And I was like, yeah, because maybe sometimes I feel this pressure that I'm going to get judged. And I just know that Mardi Gras is going to be that safe space for me to be like, wear whatever you want to wear. There is an expectation in the queer community, particularly now with I find the commodification of queer aesthetics leaking into mainstream media, that there is a standard to look queer enough. Our next guest is Jonty, a non-binary creator and model who's also super excited about Mardi Gras. I'm also neurodivergent, uh, ADHD and autism because I'm an overachiever. Um, and so far, a lot of my conversations that I host on my own platform center around sexual and mental health, as well as being a disability advocate. It's kind of interesting within the community, kind of basing that validity on your physical expression, because it kind of has the assumption that everyone has the freedom and the privilege to actually look and act how they actually feel. Um, that's certainly not the case. Um, combined with 
a lot of biophobia within the community instantly ostracizes quite feminine bisexuals because they don't look gay enough or they don't look queer enough out with their partners um, and things like that, which I find really interesting because when you get to the nitty gritty of, okay, what do you think a queer woman looks like? It's usually rooted in sexism. It's usually rooted in misogyny. It's usually rooted in homophobia. It's rooted in these stereotypes that have been essentially curated for us by straight cis people that they have essentially curated these stereotypes and these pigeon boxes for us to fit in so we can be valid within their eyes, which is so interesting that a very large faucet of the queer community is kind of enforcing these standards that we didn't even come up with because we don't even like them. They're not for us. Jonty's experience of Mardi Gras prep is as unique as it is for everyone, but they don't personally feel the pressure to change their body. There is a pretty significant gender divide in this issue, particularly Mardi Gras, at least in my experience. When I speak to queer AFAB women about this and I want to talk about their algorithms and what does your feed look like and what is your phone actually regurgitating to you, what does that actually look like? Because I'm a big data nerd. I want to know the ins and outs of what's happened and why. And speaking to my, you know, AFAB queer friends is that they seem completely removed from this bubble at least in terms of Mardi Gras. Do they absolutely get slammed with, you know, pro-eating disorder, pro-diet culture stuff pretty consistently, pretty regularly? Absolutely. As far as the Mardi Gras targeting ads for this content and this kind of like toxic behaviour, it does very much seem centred on AMAB gay men, which I find really interesting because, as I said, it seems to be this continual perpetuation of trying to catch up on what straight people think gay people look like. And because in a lot of the media that has been casted by cishet men, they've only really been projected this quite a narrow image of what a gay man can look like. And the second you go to Mardi Gras, you see all the colours of the rainbow. That's the beauty of Mardi Gras is that we all look different. We're all built different. We all express ourselves differently. I really hate it. And most most gay men or um, queer people that I talk to also hate it. Like we all hate this this feeling of having to look a certain way or, but I feel like a lot of it is still perpetuated by um this community I think um there's definitely less of it now and again I think being able to see lots of different you know shapes and sizes and and being able to um celebrate different shapes and sizes is really important but I still feel like there is a um there's still a group of people in the community that idolize a particular type of um body shape or or um physicality so this is Jeff Vanderzant. He's um, he wears lots of hats. How would you describe yourself, Jeff? I guess people would call me a content creator, although that doesn't really feel supernatural to me. I would probably describe myself as a doofus. <laughs> He's not a doofus. He's an actor and uh, a theatre producer, and I guarantee that you've seen his Instagram content. It's so popular and funny. And if you haven't seen, there's a link in the show notes. Go check it out. I would compare us to uh, a lot of the things that some women talk about in terms of media uh, images and, you know, all the photoshopping and having to have like, you know, a six pack and massive, massive arms and shoulders and whatever. Like it, there's this thing, like you kind of, everyone is trying to look like the the DNA magazine cover or the men's health cover, but it's so 
difficult because you know there's so much photoshopping that's involved in that and i think that there's a lot of um yeah i think as as gay men there's a lot of um trying to achieve that uh because that's what's um promoted to us like jeff kind of just said jaunty also thinks that the idea that people need to comply with certain body ideals completely goes against the spirit of mardi gras realistically reinforcing to anyone that the way that they are right here right now is wrong isn't healthy. I don't think anything within, let's say, a five-second fix of like, hey, I feel like tweezing my eyebrows today. I can do that overnight because my eyebrow hairs are going to grow back. It's not a long-term damaging lifestyle decision that I'm making. Unfortunately, when we perpetuate these fad diet cultures and these, you know, get skinny quick schemes and like these flat tummy tees is that they're not a sustainable life change. They're not for you to feel better inside and out moving forward for the next six months to a year. It's essentially designed to put your body to the absolute survival mode so you can hack your system. If you have to go to that much work to trick your body into doing something, the chances are you probably shouldn't be doing it. Mardi Gras prep diets or, or or that kind of thing come from a place of hate. They come from a place of like, oh, I hate myself. I hate the way that that looks. I got you know all that kind of stuff. Whereas Mardi Gras is a celebration of love, <laughs> celebration of pride. Like it's celebration of all of these positive things, and you're doing all of this hate going into it. It just doesn't. It's so um, backward to me. For Peter, who put his body on the line literally to make sure Mardi Gras can become what it is today. The idea that people feel pressure to look a certain way just to take part is awful. I hope it's not sort of oppressive because uh, it can be a lot of fun, of course, and that's what people are really looking forward to with the Mardi Gras season. And uh, this Sydney World Pride is sort of going to be a super-duper one. So, uh, you know, I just hope people really, you know, don't spend too much money, uh, but they really enjoy doing whatever they do to sort of feel that they're they're their very best um, for this occasion and this this few weeks that are coming up. Um, but as I said, you know, there's no need to really feel you've got to do something you can't do or it's just too hard. I know we're talking about Mardi Gras and these stories come from people in the LGBTIQ plus community, but the way that our guests cope with these societal pressures is relevant to almost all of us. So how do they, how do they cope with all of this stress and this pressure to look a certain way? You know, Mardi Gras is gay Christmas. I'm like, would I bust my gut trying to lose weight for Christmas Day, like the actual Christmas Day? You know, I go, why would I do that? I think Easter. I go, why would I do that? New Year's Eve, why would I do that? Why would I spend three months changing my body for, and let's be real, the Mardi Gras day, because, you know, they do it for the, the, the parade and the after party, that that one night, even though Mardi Gras and World Pride will be like a three-week thing, they all do it for uh, the Mardi Gras parade. And I think to myself, that's only like three hours of your life, you know? Like, like it's a long time of preparation for a one-night thing and there's no other day of the year that I feel like we would do that for. So why are we doing it for Mardi Gras? Be kind to others because you don't know what journey that they're on. Um, be kind to others but also be kind to yourself. Like if you're, if you're you know, pushing yourself really hard, I think being kind is the thing that, that is the answer to all of those things. Like be kind to yourself, like, 
you know, be kind to your body. Don't don't put your body through so much stress of of starving it and doing all this stuff to it. Like, yeah, be kind, be kind, be kind. If you wouldn't be happy with your best mate doing this crash diet, don't touch it. Because you need to be your own best friend. You are the only one who can look after your own consciousness. You are the only one who knows how you're feeling 100% of the time, and that's your piece to protect. So if you need to step into that third party and kind of humanize that voice, that drive, and be your own best friend and just be like, babe, this isn't it, this isn't good, you couldn't hypothetically adapt this into your lifestyle now for a long-term change without jeopardizing your emotional health, your mental health, your sexual health, stay away. Don't do it. It's not designed for you. It's not designed to bring you joy. And it's not going to take you where you think it's going to. It's just going to feed the rabbit hole that someone else has already started digging. Overall, you know, the parade, the whole packaging of it and the messaging is try to be extremely positive and, you know, really strongly affirming of uh, the LGBT community and include everybody. You know, so disabled people, really old people, really young people, the people who, who don't fit these uh, super glamorous images because of different, you know, the time of their life or different things they've experienced. So me personally, because uh, I'm a 78, uh, we, we at the start of the parade, we, you know, are, are really dressed down except for a few. And we're dressed <laughs> very simple because uh, it's a it's a long uh, walk uh, up Oxford Street and down Flinders Street, and uh, it can be really hot. And uh, it's uh, it's good to just to be uh, simple. That's how I feel about it myself. So I'm not into costuming and stuff. And also, you know, those people who don't have a lot of money for that, you know, that, uh, I can feel that some would feel really. You know, they'd like to be in the glamour, but they can't afford it. And so there's an exclusion happening more like along class lines. Yeah. Uh, so I, I worry for that too. And, uh, you know, and I, you know, I'm deliberately in a sense, you know, down, dressed down so that, yeah, I, I'm one of the crowd and uh, you don't have to be, you know, a, a supermodel to, to, to be accepted and loved in this uh, and celebrated in this, this event. People should stop, pause and ground themselves because I think we all live such busy lives that we're not actually checking in with ourselves and noticing how amazing we are as individuals and the things that we are going through. So I think stop, pause, reflect, ground yourself and start to honour yourself a little bit more and just be like, this is my vessel and it is amazing. And with the lead up to these types of events, try not to place pressure on yourself to do all these crazy things to look a certain way because you don't need to. Oh, that's pretty good advice. Now, uh, I just want to follow up. You said ground yourself. Mm. What does that mean? How, and how do you do that? Yeah, uh, grounding yourself can be so simple. It could just be getting out in your backyard and putting your feet in nature and just taking a couple of deep breaths. Um, this morning, I just sat on my yoga mat and I took a couple of nice deep breaths to just be present within my body. Could be as simple also, I go for ocean swims every now and then because it's like a shock to the system, especially if it's cold, to wake me up. <laughs> so there are sort of ways to ground yourself. That I love it. I love a good ocean swim. Yeah. Um, and I know, sorry, I know I said that was my last question, but I've got one more for you. So yeah. as a yorta yorta woman, are there mm-hmm. any traditional um, values or 
practices that you think have helped you well definitely the grounding definitely i feel like my friends don't understand when i say i need a moment to go and ground myself because that's what first nations people do we get back on country or we get out in nature to actually connect with ourselves spiritually and make ourselves feel more aligned so that's one way that i've i guess i'm constantly doing that all my elders did and are still doing so that's yeah one of the ways where i just i don't know keep content Everybody deserves to be celebrated with love and pride, especially yours. This Mardi Gras, Butterfly's partnering with Instagram to provide support and resources. They want to encourage help-seeking and spread awareness that your body and appearance does not define your worth. There's a link in the show notes to Butterfly's Body Pride Resource Hub, and I encourage you to go check it out. If you need support right now and you want to talk to someone, call the National Helpline on 1-800-334673. That's 1-800-EDHOPE. You can also chat online at butterfly.org.au or email support at butterfly.org.au. Butterfly Let's Talk is produced for Butterfly Foundation by Icon Media. It's hosted, edited and produced by me, Sam Icon. Our executive producer is Camilla Beckett. Lived experience support comes from the very talented Kate Mulray. And if you could do us a little favour and leave us a five-star rating and perhaps a little bit of a positive review, we would be eternally grateful. I'm Sam Eichen. Thank you so much for your company.